Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. From KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Monday, May 9th. Coming to you today from another cafe in San Francisco's Knob Hill. Yes, that's the name of the place, Another Cafe, because my guest today is the host of the brand new podcast, The Sausage King. So why are an Italian and I in a coffee shop? Simple, we're neighbors. That's it, we're neighbors. It was easiest for us to, to come here. I love this place. And it's an exciting day for us here at KCBS Radio and Odyssey. We are launching a new podcast. It's called The Sausage King. It is available now on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. He starts loading his gun and he comes out and he shoots all three of them. How could you not win that case? It's a triple murder on videotape. In 2000, Stuart Alexander, also known as the Sausage King of San Leandro, snapped and murdered two federal food inspectors and one state meat inspector in his factory, rocking the small town just 20 miles east of San Francisco. There was a rumor that he had a whole plot for these inspectors. And his plot was he was going to kill them, and then he was going to grind them up and make them into sausage, and which was kind of more a Sopranos type of thing. Starting to think about it after that, we started thinking, yeah, he might have done that. I'm Natalia Gurevich with the story of The Sausage King. It was a secret recipe of some sort. A new podcast from KCBS Radio and Odyssey. Linguisa is pretty much made in this area of California, predominantly San Leandro. Exploring how Stuart Alexander went from sausage maker to murderer, destroying the legacy of his family's beloved sausage making business in the process. You revert back and you say, whoa, that was really good. Listen and subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Our very own Natalia Gurevich from KCBS Radio, who is with us today on the podcast. So congratulations and happy podcast launch day. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate it. Tell me just kind of what this story is about. Okay, so the story like is essentially, you want the quick elevator pitch, is about a triple murder that took place in San Leandro more than 20 years ago. Uh, the local well-known sausage maker named Stuart Alexander, who also called himself the Sausage King, just snapped and murdered three government workers in his factory, um, much to the shock of the entire community in the Bay Area. Um, but it's about a lot more than that. It's mm -hmm. about family. It's about legacy. It's about, you know, small town gossip, the American dream, federal oversight. Honestly, the story has so many layers. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I, that's, I think, a, a great elevator pitch. Well done. Because um, <laughs> when I think about, like, where do you start with 
the story, right? And obviously, the, the triple murder, that's kind of the headline piece that everyone kind of sees. Um, hearing you describe it to me for the very first time when we were, even before we started, you know, this project, I was like, oh, there's this wrinkle, then there's this wrinkle. And I think there's a mental health component. Uh, I know there is. I've heard, I've heard them. I've heard all the interviews. You know, with with, um, with Stuart and... I want to start, though, with the, the small town component, because you got some pretty incredible interviews with some absolute characters, man. I mean, like, you don't think of anything, like, in the Bay Area as being super small town, but you and I went down to San Leandro for an entire day uh, as part of our research and, and gathering materials. Totally small town. Oh, that's I totally mean, right. Right next door to Oakland, but it's about as small town, I think, as you get in the Bay Area. Definitely. And with a small town, you get a lot of great small town characters, you know. The local politicians who everybody at the restaurant, you know, they know them by first name basis. Uh, the local bar that everybody likes to hang out and everybody's been there for, you know, decades. Now, the thing about the bar, <laughs> the thing about the bar, tell people a little bit about like the actual physical location of this bar where a bunch of the interviews uh, are conducted. You and I hung out down there one day when we went down to San Leandro. I, I That's right. had a camera and ended up doing a photo shoot for a, just a wonderful lady. Oh, uh, yeah. She was total fabulous. Totally, totally fabulous. Characters. But the bar. So the bar is the Washington Club, and its little notoriety claim to fame is that it's actually right in front of the factory that Stuart Alexander used to own. So when the shooting happened, you know, people were drinking in the bar and heard the shots. It's actually one of the funny little quirks about the place, but it's a lot more than that. The bar has existed in San Leandro for decades and the patrons have been going there for about as long. Mm -hmm. Um, They all had stories and connections to Stuart. Um, Some of them went to high school with him. The bar manager even at one point went out on a couple dates with him. Um, So it's, it's part of the local folklore and it's part of the community culture at this point. So how did this story come onto your radar? You know, honestly, I couldn't tell you the exact origin story of when I first learned about it. I've just been kind of obsessed, weirdly so, with uh, local crime stories for about as long as I can remember. And, you know, when you talk about something like that to strangers, friends, family members, people want to share the story that they first heard and, you know, got them hooked. So I probably heard it from a friend or a family member. And, at the time, it just kind of seemed like it had been undercovered in the past. And, you know, last summer, Scott Peterson, who mm-hmm. killed his wife, Lacey Peterson, uh, at the beginning of the millennium, he appealed his he appealed his uh, his verdict for murder. And uh, that's when I remembered that they both went to trial around the same time. And again, I think that's what made this story so interesting. I know to you and, and to me when we first talked about it. And then just hearing all these interviews, there are so many different layers. I think the char- I mean, these are characters like you would write in a um, in a Coen Brothers movie script, right? Uh, I want to ask you to nail down to one or two because that's always impossible to do. What, what are a couple of things that kind of pop into your mind as these just what the moments as you were doing, <laughs> you know, as, whether it was reading through old court documents or in the middle of an interview with one of those characters at the bar that's still open and exists that was right in front of the factory all those years ago. Do you have a couple of those that stand out? Oh, definitely. Um, (laughs) There were a lot. But honestly, the one that immediately comes to mind is when I was interviewing the judge who presided over the case, I found out that a cousin of mine actually did business with the Sausage King. 
Uh, my cousin, Dick Riemann, he owns Top Dog, a local little hot dog chain in the East Bay. Another spot that you and I got to go hang out at. And oh, yeah. Have lunch as part of our, <laughs> air quotes, research. Try a couple samples. That was great. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I found out that this cousin of mine not only did business with Stuart, but he also wound up testifying at the trial. Mm. And I have never heard this before, had no idea. And it was kind of fascinating that I had a little family connection that I did not know about beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I do want to, I think it's important to obviously acknowledge that this was a triple murder. There were three families that, that lost loved ones. And, you know, that, that can't get lost. And I think you did a tremendous job of ensuring that that is top of mind, you know, throughout the, the series. But uh, tell me just a little bit about the victims. Because, I, I, mm-hmm. like, you would mentioned the, the Scott and Lacey Peterson case. I mean, things can get blown off the front page so quickly with the next bright shiny object and a weird dude in a small town that's the calls himself the sausage come on like these that interest sort of generates itself right but something comes along wipe you know that right off the front page but don't want to lose perspective of the fact that there are three families that lost loved ones tell me a little bit about these victims yeah yeah so uh the victims were gene hillary Tom Quadros and Bill Shalene. Uh, Gene Hillary and Tom Quadros worked with the USDA, and uh, Bill Shalene was with the California Department of Food and Agriculture. And from what I've heard, you know, they were all very dedicated, passionate, and just honestly really good people. Um, I was able to speak with a few family members who ultimately declined to participate, which I, I totally understand. Oh, for it's, sure. Even though it's been 20 years, it was still a, a terrible thing to have happened. Um, there was one survivor, Earl Willis, another federal, well, another California Department of Food and Agriculture employee. He managed to get away, and I managed to speak with his widow, uh, Renee, and she just told me that he was one of the friendliest, kindest people, and in his time working for the department, all of his clients loved him to the point where one of his former clients even catered his funeral when he ultimately oh, wow. passed from cancer. Hmm. So... How is it that three, almost four, meat inspectors, who I, I think we could safely say were doing their job at a, at a meat factory, end up getting murdered by the owner of the meat factory? It seems like if you're going to run a sausage business, you know you're going to have to deal with a little regulation and some inspectors, right? What <laughs> yep. in the world happened? Well, I mean, times were changing, regulations had changed, and Stuart was stubborn and defiant and refused to make the changes that were necessary to make sure his product was safe and just believed that the rules shouldn't have to apply to him because his family's business had been operating for almost 80 years at that point. But the fact of the matter is, is that, yeah, health and safety regulations do change and you have to adapt with the times in order to make sure that your products are safe for consumption. Mm -hmm. And he just wasn't willing to do that. And he eventually had enough and he snapped and he killed them and it was just never the same after that you Mm. know the business closed um the product was lost and both the usda and the california department of food and agriculture changed some of its policies to make sure that their inspectors are safe Mm. good the sausage itself right um Whenever it comes up in the interviews, people can literally describe specifics about the taste, different elements of uh, spice or an oakiness or a, a wine hint to it. I mean, like vivid detail, because it was 
kind of a fix. This sausage, this linguisa sausage, was a fixture that people still talk about to this day in San Leandro. Uh, what was it like having that as kind of like this undercurrent and thread throughout all of your reporting? That yeah, you've got this just really interesting odd family and this obviously like odd dude who ends up committing this horrible crime uh, and then you've got families who've lost loved ones but then at that undercurrent right is just the sausage that people still talk about and miss what was that like yeah i mean the sausage itself kind of took on a mythical quality the more i talked to people almost everyone i interviewed had tried it and loved it but they said it didn't compare to any other linguisa that they've tried linguisa is a Portuguese type of sausage. Um, it's smoked. And everyone I spoke to just raved about how delicious it was and how much they missed it. And because it no longer existed, I became a little bit obsessed with it myself mm-hmm. um, just because I needed to figure out, you know, what made this so special, so special enough to, you know, kill for, I guess. But I actually inevitably wound up tracking someone down who had the original recipe and still made it. Um, that the identity of that person is going to be a little, little bit of a secret until you get a chance to listen further yeah, I was along. Say, we're not going to tell people the who and the how. Exactly. But we will tell them that yes, you and I didn't. Where did we go? San Ramon. San Ramon. San Ramon. Spent half a day with again. You talk about an interesting character. Again, more <laughs> to come. Subscribe and listen. Um, and towards the end of our visit, he heads to the freezer, pulls out a couple, and fried them up right there for us thought it was fantastic yep it was really good definitely definitely worth remembering 20 years later even after the product has disappeared and he was telling he's like "Ah, this isn't the same as it used to be this is you know this this is the recipe but i don't know if i can make it as good as they did but yeah i was i was i was pretty impressed i was i was blown away and i'll be honest i'm not actually that much of a sausage person i didn't know what linguiza (laughs) was until we started this thing i didn't either so what did you learn about the podcasting world I learned that writing for a podcast is a lot different from writing for print, um, but it's almost more fun because you get to really play up your characters and Mm -hmm. you really get to emphasize their roles and your role kind of takes a little bit more of a backseat, which again, I think is really fun. And I guess it also just takes a lot of editing and a lot of time to make sure that it sounds, you know, just like you want it to sound. But ultimately the process was incredibly interesting and fun. Because your background is in print journalism. That's right, yeah. So this is like literally, it's not putting on a different hat. It's like driving a different car, wearing a new pair of sneakers or something. It's That's completely different. definitely what it felt like, mm-hmm. especially writing for podcasting. You're writing for the ear instead of, you know, for sight. And it's a totally different feel. But, you know, now I got the hang of it. So I'm excited to try more things. Did you ever think you'd be like a, a podcast star or a radio star? Did you ever think you'd... you'd lock yourself in a studio and record something and did you ever have ambitions to do that uh yeah pretty much you did Uh, well i mean i love podcasts and i love the podcasting format i think it's honestly a great platform to do long-form journalism um and it's being utilized way more than ever so ultimately yeah that was my goal i mean i've gotten there a bit sooner than i thought i would but yeah i'm glad i got here so the interest in doing this was i mean podcasts aren't i mean they're not that new but they're not old i mean we're talking like what like a 10 year old phenomenon right so i mean come on you're not 
you're not old. You're pretty young, but I mean, you're, it's, you're not talking about like you were like three years old. Like, I'm going to be a podcaster one day, mommy. Like, no. No, okay. no. This was this was something I've been wanting to do for maybe the last five years. Okay. Before that, I was like, I'm just going to be a print journalist. But again, the the opportunities for doing long form journalism are just so much more interesting when you apply it to a podcast. All right. Tell us what uh, what the next one you'd like to do would be. Ooh, I don't know if I should reveal that yet. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> but you have some uh, like I, in the hopper ideas of additional like like along like the true crime. Like oh yeah, I'm already planning. Reporting. Already planning for season two. Already oh. got a case in mind. Um, gonna keep that one under wraps until the time is right. But definitely this have some things cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love to know this. All right. Uh, congratulations on everything. The Sausage King is available now wherever you download podcasts, and we invite you to subscribe on the Odyssey app. Natalia Gorevich, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. New episodes of Bay Current are out every day. We'd love to be part of your daily routine. You can subscribe to us on the Odyssey app, and we are now on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts, as well as the KCBS Radio YouTube page. That's it for today's Bay Current. I'm Matt Pittman. We'll chat with you again tomorrow. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.